Well, are you ready for chapter 11, book of Ecclesiastes? We're in an Old Testament book, making our way through, and uh, we are going to finish it uh, by the Sunday after Thanksgiving. This morning, we are going to go through the 11th chapter. As I read through this, there's probably going to be some things that are a little bit, I'll, I'll use the word, thick. Uh, by that I mean kind of a little bit mysterious or hard to understand what's really being said. So we'll come back and I'd like to read through it and then we're going to just walk through it verse by verse. And then there's two, two points that I'd like to leave with you to think about from chapter 11 of Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> so here's what's written. Cast your bread upon the waters for after many days you will find it again. Give portions to seven, yes, to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there will it lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. If you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning and at evening, let not your hands be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Light is sweet, it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things God will bring you to judgment. So then... Banish anxiety from your heart. Cast off the troubles of your body for youth and vigor are meaningless. Now perhaps I read that and you're going, I think I understood less than I understood. Uh, So we're going to walk through this though and and I've had the privilege of, you know, it's taken me all week to figure this out. So if you think I'm smart, um, these are some of these things are, are very different from our culture, and so you have to go back and, and understand the culture to see what Solomon is saying here. So how many have heard this phrase? It was on the sign this morning, cast your bread upon the waters. How many of you ever heard that before? Okay, now keep your hands up if you know what it means. Okay, I'm not going to embarrass him, but one person. We had nobody first service, and uh, there were 50 people in first service, and many of them were over... Uh, 50 years of age, and still did not know what this verse means. So today, you're going to find out. Here it is in ancient times. Uh, By the way, you know, if you just think this through, cast your bread upon the waters, and uh, it may return to you. If I cast bread around on the water, it's not returned to me, okay? What's going to happen to it? It's going to soak up the water sink to the bottom and the fish are going to eat it on the way down. <clears throat> so this means nothing to most of us this morning. Here's what it meant in the first century, though, or in the, uh, back in this day, 
in ancient times. People would grow grain, and when they grew grain, they had two options. They could just keep it where they were, or it was possible to make a, a good profit if you were willing to, to ship that grain to other places. I remind you that you know, they didn't have the kind of transportation we do today, so shipping by boat was really the way, if you were going to ship something, uh, you, know, you didn't call up the local uh, trucking firm and tell them you wanted to truck some grain. There was no such thing. So shipping was the best way to transport your grain to another port, and, and there you could get some profit. However, that could be risky. Uh, there were shipwrecks, there were storms that would come with a ship loaded with grain. Uh, sometimes there were robbers that would hijack the ship. And sometimes you get cheated on the other end. <clears throat> and so there was a, there was a caution there, but what, what Solomon is saying is, you know, go ahead and ship the grain. Cast your bread upon the waters. In fact, uh, <clears throat> Probably a more, the most literal probably translation of this Hebrew phrase is send your substance over the face of the waters. And so, in essence here, what, what he's saying is, granted there are risks. There are risks. But take the risk. Send, send the grain over the water because it may come back and be very profitable for you. So just keep that in your mind because we're going to He's going to keep coming back to this, and, and this is going to be a theme here in the first half of, of chapter 11. Look at verse 2. He said, Give portions to seven, yes, to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Okay? So give your portions seven or eight. What, what he's saying there is maybe you need to send your grain on a number of different ships. Or there were people that had land and they would plant one crop here and then they would plant a different crop here because if, if it was too dry in one area, well, maybe it would be better in the other. This is where we get the phrase, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's what this verse is saying. <clears throat> a very common financial principle. It's saying diversify. If you were going to go to a financial planner, he would sit down and he would, you know, one of the things he would say he would want to show you is how diversified the, uh, the portfolio is, because if energy stocks go bad, you still have this, and if this goes bad, you still have money in real estate. And so don't put all of your risk, don't be foolish. We've probably all done that. I remember when I got out of seminary and, and I, <clears throat> I heard of this thing called penny stocks, so I bought some penny energy stocks for like 500 bucks, like at 20 cents a share. And in three months, it was 40 cents a share. At $1,000, they said, wow, this is easy. And so I, uh, I threw it all in another energy stock. <clears throat> and uh, in, in, that one went up about 50% in, in the next three months. And I cashed that in, and I was, my 500 was now 1,500. So if I'd have been smart, I'd have put 500 in an energy stock, but 500 in another one. But I thought, this is easy. So I put them all in an, another energy stock, and three months later, I got a letter that the company had foreclosed, and they were done. And I had nothing. <clears throat> so that was the end of my investment life. I realized I was not going to go into 
investments after all, and uh, it'd probably be better to uh, continue on the path I was on. So anyway, that's his point here. Take risks, but don't be foolish about it. Okay? Don't be foolish about it. Then in verses 3 and 4, he says, If clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. So what's he saying here? Well, he's saying that two things can happen. Uh, You can see a cloud coming and it might rain. And that would be a really good thing because it was very dry there and rain was really valuable. So that might happen. The other thing that might happen is there might be a tree and it might fall to the south or it might fall to the north. If, if it falls one way to the south, that could be a good thing because it's falling on your property. If it falls to the north, it maybe falls on the neighbor's property and then he gets firewood instead of you. So two things that are good, rain and wood. Both of these things are blessings. However, what he's saying here is you, you can't control those things. You don't get to determine whether there's water in that cloud or not. And you don't get to determine whether the wind is going to come from the south and blow the tree on your land or if it's going to blow it on the other side. But here's the deal. If you're just going to look at every wind and, you know, you're going to go, oh, the wind's not, it's out of the south. I don't think it's going to rain. I don't think I better plant today. And, and then next Next day it's out of the north and you're saying, oh, I'm not going to plant today. I got to have, and then it's a little bit southeast. Well, maybe I should plant, but I got to, he's saying, you know what? If you're going to try and wait for the perfect situation, you're probably never going to plant. And if you get up and you go, oh, there's a cloud in the sky. Remember, they didn't, they couldn't go on Google and find a 10-day forecast. They had no idea what was coming the next day. And so they'd see a cloud in the sky and they go, oh, I don't want to cut the grain today because it might rain. And then tomorrow there's another cloud and, and he's saying, you know what? You can't control that. If you're going to wait for the perfect, the perfect thing, you're probably never going to harvest the crop in your field. Verse 5, he writes this, As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. In other words, God is sovereign. We are not. We are not in control. There are things that we don't understand. And he gives us an example here. He says, we can't... In fact, I'll I'll read it word for word, what he says here. He says, how the body is formed in the mother's womb. I don't know if you saw it. Any of you see the... There was a viral thing going around a while back about this guy that had the, had the perfect argument for pro-life people. Any of you see that argument? <clears throat> okay, I guess I'm the only one. So, it was a guy, and he just said, I have, I have a scenario which, uh, which no pro-life person can, can refute. And so here's a question. You walk into a room, there's a uh, 100 uh, fertilized embryos in the fridge, and there's a one-year-old child playing on the floor. You can only save one. Which one do you save? Okay, you can go home this afternoon and think about your answer. But, you know, 
Most people are going to, well, if I can only say one, I'm probably going to, you have to pick one. I'm probably going to pick the child, the one-year-old child. <clears throat> and you say, well, see, that shows that you believe that that, that fertilized embryo is, is not as much a life, not life as a child is. Well, here's how I would answer that question. <clears throat> and it's not necessarily a simple answer. But, you know, I think that, I think when we are making decisions about what's going on in the womb, uh, on a number of levels, we are in way over our heads. I think we're making decisions we have no, we have no ability to make. Um, in fact, to be honest with you, I don't think we can actually know when life begins. <clears throat> they may th say it's a real heretical statement. Um, life begin is, is life beginning, is that, is that when, I mean, we can show the process of a child, you know, through three now, you can watch the process of a child developing in the womb and so forth, but that's not what makes the child a human being, is it? What makes, it, what makes us in the image of God as human beings is that we have a soul. So let me ask you, when was the last time you saw a video of the development of the soul in that baby? I mean, we all agree that a baby has a soul. How did that soul get there? How does God do that? How, at what stage in the whole process do we know that God does that? Well, Solomon would say that one of the things we can't know is how, how this person, how this baby, how this body is formed in its mother's womb. We know a lot through technology, but there's a lot we still don't know. <clears throat> and so here's, here's my position on it. We have no business monkeying with what God is knitting together. God is knitting this child. He's not only knitting the child physically, but he's, there is a soul which which is in this person. And we have no business going in there and, and, and monkeying with what, what God is doing. And so, there is a... I, I argue from the point, not necessarily that we can know everything that's happening, I argue from the point that this is God's work. This was His design. This was His process. And... Uh, we ought not to be messing with it. We see here that the point is God is sovereign over all things. We don't always know what's going to happen. We can't control everything that's going to happen. So, look at verse 6. Here's his advice. Sow your seed in the morning. And in the evening, let, your hands, let not your hands be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. So he's saying, harvest, start, you know, go out and plant that field. Don't get paralyzed by all the what-ifs. That's what I hear him saying. Don't get paralyzed in your life by all the what-ifs. Well, if I do this, what if, what if this happens? Or what if this doesn't go right? Or, or what if, what if, what if? We end up doing nothing. You have no guarantee that any 
Everything you do will prosper. But here's a guarantee. If you do nothing, it won't prosper. If you don't put one seed in the field, I promise you, you won't get a crop. If you plant the field, you know what? You very well could get a crop. You may not, but you very well could. Solomon is saying, go ahead, plant the field, go out. You know what? If it's a mistake, if it doesn't work, so be it. You probably learn something from it. Verses 7 to 10. And these kind, of, these kind of all flow together, so I'm going to read these together. Light is sweet, and, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever you, your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart. Cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, you know, enjoy life. Life can be very sweet. And while you have light, enjoy it. He talks here about being young and enjoying life when you're young because, you know what? One day you're going to get old and it's going to get hard. And uh, you're not going to, I was going to say, you're not going to jump out of bed in the morning. But you guys probably don't jump out of bed in the morning either. Um, <clears throat> but it's going to get, there's going to be dark days in the, in the future. And so... Look at verse 9. This is written to, this is written to uh, those in their youth. He says, be happy. Be happy, young man and obviously young woman, while you are young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. He says, follow the ways of your heart, whatever your eyes see, and know that in all these things God will bring you to judgment. What's he saying there? He's saying, live your life. You're young, you're full of passion, you're full of energy. Uh, you know, follow those dreams, take those risks, be full of life and passion. Saying, just remember, just remember, yeah, enjoy your life, but remember, God will bring your choices under judgment. So what he's saying is, you know, enjoy the game of life, but, but keep the ball in play. There's lots of things you can enjoy in life, but don't go running out of bounds. Don't draw your own boundaries in life because one day you'll have to give an account to God for how you enjoyed your life. He's not saying you can't enjoy it. He's just saying remember when you make choices that some of those choices are pleasing to God and there are other options out there which are not. And we will have to give account for those. Then finally in verse 10, he says, so then banish anxiety from your heart Cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. And in essence here, what, what to take away from this is, you know, as, as you live out life here, there's a lot of meaningless things. He talks about life as kind of like a vapor. It's so brief. And you can spend your life in anxiety. And the word here is vexation. It also means irritation. You can be just 
You can be irritated at so many things that aren't right. You can be anxious about the fact that one day your life's going to end. Solomon's saying, get rid of that. Your life's not ending today. You have today to live. Enjoy today. Don't worry about tomorrow. <clears throat> you know, Jesus said that too. He said, tomorrow will we'll care for itself. And so we see here that this is the, the challenge the challenge for us. So let me move into, uh, let me just take these last few minutes and, and let me share a couple of applications uh, to take away to think about. Here's the first one. This passage is, is really encouraging us to be willing to take some risks. To be willing to take risks. Not to be stupid, but to take risks. You know, when Vicki shared this, I think, the last time she shared, but when we were in, Ger- we were in Germany a number of years ago, we were visiting uh, Kristen Dine, who was a, a gal we knew that had attended here. We know they're Herb and Bonnie Dine. Or, her parents, and we were visiting her, and we went out after church, and there was a, a German family there. And they asked us, they said, do you, do you think it would ever be possible for our boys to come and live with you in America? And... They said, when we were in America, uh, we were there for several months, and they said, things are so different in America than Germany. In, in, in America, our boys were, like, encouraged to, to, to step out and try things and follow their dreams and take adventures. In Germany, it's all about being safe. What's safe? Don't, don't do anything that's going to create any risk. And so that was something they were, they were looking for for their boys. Um, I, I grew up in a small town, and I am, my mom's here today, and uh, I am very thankful for a mother who let me be a boy. So when I got up in the morning, we went out in this town, and, and uh, I'm sure we did things my mother doesn't know about to this day. <laughs> but we... Uh, you know, the, we, had, we had these cricks in town in the spring. They would, they would turn into rivers. And we would build rafts out of logs and tie it together with twine. And, and then we'd go out and we'd raft these rivers. I mean, the water, there was still ice on, you know, in the spring. It was freezing cold. The, the current was fast, you know. No life jackets, nothing like that. We just went out. And it was risky. We... Uh, we built forts in the top of these white pines. Two people couldn't get their arms around these, you know the trees, these virgin white pines. We had them in our backwoods um, up in the top of those trees, 65 feet up in the air. I remember dragging 20-gallon gas tank from the dump that we dragged out of there and dragging it up and, and tying it up there so we could have a drum up in our fort, up in the top of those trees. We used to dig uh, holes in the sand pit, five, six feet deep. You needed a ladder to get out of them, and then we'd connect them with tunnels. And, uh, you know, not the safest thing to be crawling underground in a sand pit with tunnels, but that was just the life that we lived. We did a lot of things that were adventurous, we did a lot of things that were probably risky. And yeah, you know what? We probably did some things that were just stupid. But I, I learned to, uh, you know, when you come up against something 
a place you've never been to say, well, let's go there. Or I don't know how to figure this out. Let's just start walking there and we'll figure it out as we go. I think Solomon here is, is saying, you know, take risks. You know, as I'm a guy, and so I was, I, I relate to, to guys. You know, guys take risks in certain areas, like sports. So this afternoon, there's going to be all these guys out in football fields running wide open at each other, and somebody might break a collarbone or, or, or break a leg or blow their knee out, and they're going to do that because they're willing to take that risk. Or hunting. A lot of you guys are going to go hunting. You're going to go out no matter what the weather. You're going to shoot a high-powered gun. You're going to trek in the woods. You're going to sit up in the stand. It's just part of adventure and stepping out. Or buying a home, or flipping a house, or going into a business. But then there's those, there's those other areas, like your relationship with your mother-in-law. And you are like, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot ball. Um, you know, we have unsafe areas. And unfortunately, sometimes those... I'm speaking for guys now, often those unsafe areas are relationship areas. And uh, we don't want to move into those areas because we don't know what we're going to find there. We're not sure what we're going to do or what we're going to say or how it's going to come out. And so we become avoiders instead of, or attackers instead of stepping out in faith or sharing your faith. I mean, a lot of us will take a lot of risk, but that's one that we have a hard time taking. You know, don't ask me to come on Saturday and, and have to maybe share my faith with somebody I don't know because that just feels really risky. We see in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, an entire chapter of risk takers. It talks about Noah and building that ark and Abraham. God said, hey, take off. I don't know where you're going to go. Just start walking. Load up your family, all your belongings. I'm taking you somewhere, but you don't know where it is. And he just, he just did it. Isaac, his son, people ended up in lion's dens and fiery furnaces, and the list goes on. And uh, someone reminded me in the morning, they said, you know, all your examples were men. I said, you were right. I said, there were some incredibly great examples of risk takers like Deborah and just think of uh, Esther and going to the king and she could have lost her life in that situation. And so we, we just see these biblical examples of men and women who, who stepped out in faith. You know, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what are you doing in faith? You know, what, what are those risks that you're taking in faith? Maybe it's a relational risk. Maybe it's a, a place that you just don't want to go because it just feels too scary. You know, when we went to Ukraine back in 2006 and they, they came up with that building, you know, when we were back there, they were, it was a bad time in the economy. They were making like 10, 20 bucks a month for their income. Vladimir's boys couldn't even afford to drive to work. It cost them more to drive there than they made. And, and they're, they're stepping out and building a, a $1.5 million building. <clears throat> and I asked Andrew, and I've heard this before, I, I asked him, I said, how can, how can you do that? 
He said, you know, in Ukraine, he says, if we don't step out in faith, we'll never do anything. And I never forgot that. You know, if, if we don't step out in faith, if we're always going to have to figure it out. If we're going to have to reduce all the risk, if we're going to have to figure out how it's going to happen. It's not really faith. My, uh, my son-in-law, I, I just really admire my, my son-in-law. Next, uh, in June, he's going to be starting as a pediatrician up in, in uh, Manaqua. And it was, how many years? 12, 13, 14 years ago, maybe? Uh, he was working as a custodian for the Marshfield Clinic. And one night, just made an offhanded comment when he came home to my daughter's. You know, I've always thought it'd be really cool to be a doctor. And she, my daughter said, oh, why don't you do it? And it was like, you got to be kidding me. I don't have pre-med classes. I've, I've already been through four years of school. I'd have to take more. I mean, it's like, and uh, he decided to go for it. It took three years to get into med school and four years of, of school and four years of residency. And, um, you know, next month it's going to happen. So here's the point. Solomon says, you know what? Step out. Take some risks. Don't be stupid about it, but take some risks. Especially you who are young, you know. Follow your heart. Don't let, don't let things stop you from following your heart. Check out your heart. Make sure it's in line with something God would be pleased with, but go for it. Here's the second thing. Second point is enjoy life. Enjoy life. There's a lot in this book about enjoying life. There's also a lot about vanity and the meaningless of life and how easy it is to lose your joy in the midst of these realities. So here's what you see in this book. Solomon says, you know what? This is a reality. One day you're going to lose it all. But you know what? Enjoy today. Don't let that fact ruin your day today. Or this, you know what? Bad things could happen to you. Don't let that fact ruin today. Well, if I do this, this may not... You know what? Do it. Just go for it. Don't let that keep you from stepping out and, and acting in faith. Solomon here in verses 7, 8, 9, and 10, in every verse, he, there's a call here to enjoy your life. Verse 7. You know, you can see it there. I, I think he's saying, you know, open your eyes. Look at the sun. Look at the moon. Look at the stars. Look at creation. You know, Today, some of us are going, oh, it's so cold. Hey, there's beautiful white snow out there. You know, put on your long underwear. Throw on a, an extra jacket. Enjoy the day. Enjoy winter in Wisconsin. I know you've got to work at it, but, <laughs> you know, just enjoy it. I got, you know what, I got long underwear on this morning. <clears throat> so, don't be too proud to... Uh, to just warm up, turn the thermostat up a little bit. And so, the point here is, you know, enjoy, you know, just enjoy everything around you. Verse 8, what I take out of that is, make it your goal, make it your goal to enjoy every day. My wife has this thing, and I always say to her, you know, enjoy your day. My wife, 
she's, she's a task person. Enjoying your day is like wasting the day away, <clears throat> okay? So I pray for her. I say, I hope, I pray today that she'll accomplish a lot of things today, and that makes her really happy. Um, I ask her to tell me to enjoy my day because <clears throat> sometimes I have to work at that, and I, I really think God wants us to enjoy every day as, as, a, as a gift from him. And so make it your goal every day. You know what? When you get up, you have eternal life. Just think about that. You have eternal life, which will never end. And uh, you're going to face one day this thing called death. You know what? You're just going to fly right through that, and your life just keeps going. It may be a little hard, you know. It may be a couple-year process, or you know what? You may be out in the backyard or <clears throat> watching the Packers, and you may have an aneurysm, and, and you're right through it, just like that. But the point is, eternal life begins the day that you receive Christ in your life. <clears throat> and it just goes on, and there's nothing that can stop that. Nothing that can take that away. If it's a hard season in your life, you know what? You can still enjoy just today because you know tomorrow's coming. And there's a new day and something better that God has for you. Thirdly, live within, verse 8, live within the boundaries Live within the boundaries. Why? Because that is where true enjoyment lies. Listen to what David said. I run, this is Psalm 119, I run within the path of your commands, for they've set my heart free. David says, you know what? I'm running and I'm free. But you know what? I'm running in the paths that you've cut. If you want to take off in the thick of it, go ahead. But I'll tell you, there'll be somewhere along that way you'll hit the thorns and it'll get thick. The Bible says it this way. There's a way that seems right. It seems pleasant. It seems like this is the way to go. But its end is in destruction. So follow God's paths. Live within his boundaries and enjoy your life. And then lastly, he says, ruthlessly deal with anxiety and fear. They, uh, they're like leeches. Anxiety and fear are like leeches that are just sucking the joy out of your life. And I love what he says here. He says, look at, the, look at the word he uses, banish anxiety from your heart. What if we did that? You know what it means to banish someone? When you, you, know, you can put somebody in prison, but when you banish them, it means you put them on some remote place far away where you can't even see them and they're gone forever. Isn't that what it means to banish someone? So Solomon says, why don't you banish anxiety? Can you imagine just living your life every day without anxiety? So why? This is like an invitation. It's like you don't need to live your life with anxiety. Say, well, how can I not live with anxiety? Well, just trust God. Believe that God is, is trustworthy. You have to change your thinking. You have to change your focus. You have to change what you're thinking about. You're thinking about the what ifs. What if this, and Solomon says, you know what? You can't control that. Let it go. Just enjoy that. Yet, you know what? Something hard tomorrow, but God will get you through it. Why allow all of that future stuff to, to suck the joy out of your life today? 
Jesus in Matthew 6.25, it's where he talks about, you know, he talks about, look at the, Look at the fields and the flowers. God takes care of them. Look at the birds. God takes care of them. Don't you think God's going to take care of you? Oh, you have little faith, so don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Just trust God in today. And you know what the context of that Matthew 20, you know, Matthew uh, 6 is? If you read before it, he talks about, he talks about people who have found the great treasure and people who have found the pearl of great price. So if you read that together, he's saying, okay, <clears throat> if you find a treasure, you know, if you find the pearl of great price, then you, you got nothing to worry about. You have already been made rich. You have already found the treasure. You've already got it made in life. So don't worry about the little things that happen. Don't worry about that difficult season. Good friends of ours, I just talked to them last night, and uh, she just found out in, in uh, March has ovarian cancer. Good friends of Vicki and I. And uh, hard season. Some of you have been there. She's got her last chemo treatment now next week. And, uh, you know, it's, it's starting to get easier. There'll be seasons like that in life. But the challenge is, whatever comes your way, you know, whatever comes your way, seek to find the joy that God has for you in your life. And, and certainly, you know, don't worry about those, those dark days, you know. They may come, they may not come. Just enjoy what I've given you today. It's a great practical passage for us. Take some risks. Enjoy your life. Father, we thank you for uh, this passage from Solomon. and uh, it, It's so practical for our lives. Father, I pray that if there are areas in our life that you want us to pursue that we're afraid to pursue because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we have the ability. We don't, we don't know if we have the resources. Um, Father, I pray that you might speak to, the, to people here about those things. Maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a relational thing that you, wants, you want people to pursue. Whatever it is, Lord, uh, if you want us to know something, just bring it to our mind. And also, Lord, we thank you for this invitation to enjoy life and uh, to enjoy the just the many, many blessings that are all around us and to not worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. So might we, uh, might we just experience your word today. And Father, most of all, we know that, <clears throat> that you demonstrated your love for us and that while we were sinners and separated from you, you died for us. And uh, Lord, through faith, we just open up our lives to pleasures and blessings that are uh, beyond description. And so, Lord, I pray that that might uh, be the heart of uh, everyone here in this place today. We just thank you for your son. We thank you for life in him. Uh, thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. <laughs>